with what appears to be a gradual buildup of unhealthy indicators within the commercial real estate space. Is a rebound in the asset class possible in 2024? Does the beginning of a Fed interest rate cut noticeably improve commercial real estate this year? Where are the opportunities and what type of investors are positioned best to find those returns? It's Monday, February 19th, and I'm your host, Robert Nahigian. I wanted to first tag along our previous episode regarding macroeconomics and bring back our discussion around the interest rates throughout the remainder of 2024. It appears that the market is pricing in up to six rate cuts before the end of 2024. And I wanted to preface this discussion by saying that the markets are likely going to be disappointed with this expectation. We continue to see a resilient consumer and a robust economy. And if the Fed begins cuts this year, there will certainly not be six of them. But to our point about real estate, the asset class as a whole hasn't been the brightest since the Fed began this aggressive hiking cycle. However, there isn't a single sentiment set in stone around real estate. The indicators are telling us mixed stories and the outlook for the space is certainly very cloudy. I wanted to start by focusing on commercial real estate and talking about the recent surprise caused by New York Community Bank. Recently, New York Community Bank set off sirens on Wall Street when they revealed a surprise quarterly loss and slashed its dividends for the sole purpose of piling funds in case commercial real estate went bad. Since then, we've seen shares in NYCB along with other shares of regional bank stocks plummet as equity investors remain pessimistic about the health of the asset class and the continued macro headwinds dragging regional banks down. However, despite the uncertainty in the space with public investors' reaction in the equity markets, investors in the credit markets actually appear to be much more calm. Premiums on bank debt continue to narrow faster than the broader market. According to Bloomberg, bank bonds are actually performing better. It's also important to mention that commercial real estate debt comprises over 40% of some of these lenders' portfolios. The central reason for this is the increased capital charges on this debt, which has gradually made commercial real estate less attractive to some of the largest banks following GFC. As an immediate result, smaller banks and other lenders welcomed the opportunity to capture share and take advantage of their lower capital requirements. More specifically, when we're talking about commercial real estate loans to capital ratios, Banks between the size of $5 billion to $10 billion in assets have almost two and a half times CRE loans to capital, and banks less than $5 billion had two times. On the flip side, banks $250 billion and larger had 0.45 times. This allocation to commercial real estate began to accumulate just before the rise in interest rates following the post-GFC quantitative easing cycle. With such a massive demand for refinancing all across the board, Coupled with this increasing role of banks as a primary source of financing for this industry, it's going to be extremely difficult for certain borrowers to refinance their existing debt. On top of this, their risk of higher losses continue to remain elevated in an already challenging macro backdrop. Another factor that complicates this even more is the $3 trillion of U.S. commercial real estate debt maturing in the next four years, with around $600 billion maturing this year. Remember, we have elevated base rates, so those borrowing costs are very significant, but this is no longer debt that will continue to be pushed out any additional years. Not only will this force greater velocity, but it will also lead banks to mark more reasonably on a forward basis and create even more liquidity constraints. And going back to what I mentioned towards the beginning, this is by no means another GFC. Although a lot of these indicators are pointing toward a disaster, the conditions in the space appear to be moderately healthy and much healthier compared to GFC conditions. The majority of the best banks now are positioned around six to eight times leverage, with the max being up around 10 times. 
To put that in perspective, banks like Bear Stearns were sitting around 30 times leverage. So again, there are no real systemic issues within the banking system on the horizon, at least nothing we've seen yet. So instead of growing into a financial crisis, this market is likely going to evolve into one where sellers are simply forced to sell and velocity continues to accelerate. So we've touched on a little bit of the macro dynamics that are shaping the asset class, but I wanted to dive deeper into commercial real estate itself, specifically the office segment. Starting with the pandemic, commercial real estate endured a massive pivot to hybrid work, a style of work that appears to solidify itself into major corporations. In fact, since the pandemic, the share of the American workforce working from home more than tripled. And going off that, only 8% of these employees are willing to return full-time to work after the pandemic. In turn, this mass solidification of hybrid work has effectively curbed demand for office space and created significantly higher vacancy rates. Going off this point, the markets have seen significant real estate write-downs. And it's interesting to point out that over 20% of regional bank loans have been deployed towards refinancing in the office segment. When it comes to the actual challenges of the space, many investors have a misunderstanding as to the impact of macro uncertainties and internal troubles within the actual buildings. While macro conditions play a role in shaping real estate as a whole, the biggest troubles are primarily focused on the state of the individual buildings themselves as opposed to the systemic risks that come with a buildup towards a recession. So investors should be paying closer attention to the demand around these spaces as opposed to the demand for real estate as a whole. This is mainly because there are areas within real estate outside of office that are proving to be a safer bet from an investor's perspective. We saw major allocation toward office, but for now, our analysts are pointing toward opportunities in spaces like healthcare real estate, student housing, and, and areas that are just providing more stable, long-term, steady cash flows. Another thing I wanted to touch on here is that, you know, with higher rates and reduced transaction volume, this has become a buyer's market and the sellers are scarce. But the actual reason for this isn't exactly what most people think. Our analysts have emphasized the fact that there have been increasing difficulty for the market in identifying the true market value of these assets. Given this, there are sort of these psychological issues with sellers in actually initiating transactions simply given the fact that they aren't willing to admit the asset is worth much less than they think it is, and they're not willing to accept a, a steeper discount. This is a dynamic that our analysts indicate won't be clearing up anytime soon, but our analysts are also indicating that the market will likely evolve into one where these sellers are forced to sell despite what they think the value of those assets are. This dynamic will especially be interesting in the U.S. as American occupancy rates haven't nearly recovered as fast as those in the Asia-Pacific region and Europe. Comparing 2023 Q4 office sales to 2022 Q4 office sales, in cities like San Francisco, they've fallen nearly 40% year-over-year compared to European cities like Paris, who only fell 4%. So just to tie everything together here, we're likely going to see a market where sellers gradually become forced to sell, which in turn will be creating higher velocity. However, with this, we are also going to see opportunities being paved on both the debt and the equity side of the commercial real estate area. Our analysts predict that well-capitalized alternative asset managers are the best position to capture opportunities in the real estate market. It's also important to remember that real estate is a long-duration asset class. As a result, the short-term impact of 2024 rate cuts will likely not play as large of a role as investors are expecting. In other words, It'll take a while for Fed rate cuts to fully make their way throughout the real estate system. 
major alternative asset managers with already established, well-capitalized real estate funds have demonstrated discipline when it comes to long-term investing. While several figures point to the doom of the commercial real estate market, the actual evidence supporting this conclusion is very minimal. And commercial real estate should remain firm as an asset class as more macro uncertainty around elections and monetary policy persist. While the asset class may be smoky now, commercial real estate will likely demonstrate resilience throughout the remainder of the year. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Inside the Street. We're proud to be hosted on the Evergreen Network. If you enjoy the show, we hope you follow on your platform of choice and tune in next week for another episode. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. This material is published solely for informational purposes and may not be copied or recreated in any way. This podcast is not an offer to buy or sell any investment product and takes no liability for being incorrect about events that may occur within the markets. Remember that the financial markets are subject to change and past performance is not an indicator of future results. It is important to conduct your own research and carefully evaluate any financial decision prior to acting on it. 